Hey, Frey Chapel Paramount. Welcome to our podcast. This is Omar here. Hey, this midweek sermon you're about to listen to is from Pastor Isaac Roman. It's in line with their proximity series, and he's preaching a message entitled, Our Proximity with the Holy Spirit. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, tonight I'm going to share on proximity, and uh, Pastor Omar kicked us off on Sunday, and uh, it was a great message. How many of you appreciated that, that message by Pastor Omar and speaking about our walk with God? And, uh, and, and what we're talking about in proximity is a certain nearness to God. And so what I'm going to do is kind of pivot off of that a little bit, and I want to talk about uh, uh, our proximity with the Holy Spirit, our proximity with the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, tonight, as, as Ashley was talking, she was talking about God moving in her life and, and things like that. And I just want to make sure that we're, we're talking the, the, the right language here uh, as, as, we, as we talk through these things. And so when she says that God is working in her life, understand that it is the power of God by way of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of God by way of the Holy Spirit. And, and you guys are probably looking at me like, yeah, that's pretty elementary. But, but I, think that we, I think that we miss that. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's the, it's the third person in the Godhead. And so the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person that speaks. It's a person that is near to us, within proximity of us. The Holy Spirit is one that can be grieved. The Holy Spirit is one that can teach. The Holy Spirit is one that desires to be with us, to be acknowledged, to be a part of what we're doing. Amen. All right. And so proximity with God is available to all of us by way of the Holy Spirit, and it's as accessible as the promises of God. Now, I could be up here and I could shout out, I could give you some zingers, some one-liners and things like that. Um, you know, my God shall provide all my needs. And people, people are going to start yelling and, and clapping and things like that. Um, but just as much as you could take that promise and make it real to you, and, and, and that making you feel good is the same promise that Jesus gave, that the Holy Spirit, that the Comforter, that the advocate would come, and by way of him, you're going to do greater things than Jesus did. This is a reality that we really, really need to, to comprehend. I was reading a book, it's called, uh, it's written by Francis Chan, it's called Forgotten God. And if anyone's read, read that book or heard that book and not read it, I suggest that you read it. Um, but I, I have a quote here and it says, the world is not moved by love or actions that are of human creation. And the church is not empowered to live differently from any other gathering of people without the Holy Spirit. But when believers live in the power of the Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. I said the evidence of their lives is supernatural. I'm going to stop right there. How many of you would say that the evidence of the power of God in your life is supernatural? Some of us. Okay. We'll get there. The church cannot help but be different, and the world cannot help but notice. My goodness. Let's pray. And I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And if you pray in the Holy Ghost, I want you to begin to open up your mouth and pray. This is what we're going to do. We're going to acknowledge the Holy Spirit in this place. So, Father, we thank you right now. We yield our hearts to you, Holy Spirit. We put you at center of attention. We pray against every distraction, every lie of the enemy. We pray against the pool of social media on us right now. And Father, I pray, God, that we would give you the proper attention. Holy Spirit, we give you the proper place in this house. Your truth, 
Your truth reigns freedom in this place. We thank you. Where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. And we thank you for that tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. And so I was thinking about this, and, and we have an evangelist. Uh, we, have, we have a resident evangelist, and that's, uh, that's David Diga Hernandez. And, and uh, this is like his thing. And so I was thinking, I, I, I probably, you know, I'm, I'm probably uh, not as qualified to, to talk about this. But what I, want, what, what I want us to talk about tonight is how can we engage the Holy Spirit? And so I'm not going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit or anything like that. I'm going to talk about how can we, how can I personally in my life, in my, in my workplace, on my way to work, how can I engage the Holy Spirit and experience the power of the Holy Spirit in my life? How many of us want that in our lives? I mean, without the, without the Holy Spirit, we, we, have, we don't have a lot going on for us. Now, you could be a good person, you could do great things, and, and you could be a nice person, and you could be a, a, a philanthropist and do great things for the community and things like that. But as Francis Chan said, the differentiation is the power of the Holy Spirit alive in our lives. I was talking to our, our Connect group on, on Friday, and I said that the only difference that the children of Israel had was that they were marked by God. They, were not, they, they, they weren't sophisticated. They didn't have uh, sophisticated weaponry or, or any, they weren't great warriors or anything like that. Literally, literally, the only thing that, that made them unique was that they were marked by God. And so it was nothing of themselves. So, so I say this, uh, maybe, we, maybe we need to not be so confident in our own abilities and our own skill sets and be reliant upon the power of God and the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Is that okay? So one very, very practical way, and you know, whenever I speak, I try to give you something very practical. I want to give you something that you can apply. I want, I, I want, I want to give you some tools, maybe that can help you, number one, help you in engaging the Holy Spirit. But I think that this could also help you relationally. How many of us could, could, could use a little bit of relational help? Some of us. Okay. So I read this book, and uh, uh, typically when I say that to a group of people, I, I start getting people like rolling their eyes and things like that. Well, I'm a reader, okay? I read books, and if you don't read, and if you're a leader, I would, I would challenge that because uh, leaders are readers, okay? So I read books, okay? And I read this book, and it's called, uh, it's called The Like Switch. And the author is, uh, the author is a, a gentleman by the name of Jack Schaefer. He's a, uh, he's a PhD, and he's a behavior analyst. And basically with this book, he's an ex-FBI agent, and what he used to do is he would go and find spies uh, from another country. He would find those spies, and then he would build relationships to eventually flip them to get information. And so what he did was he created what, what he calls, and he coined, it's called the friendship formula, the friendship formula. And I'm not suggesting that we use a formula to manipulate the power of God or anything like that, so don't take it out of context. But what I am saying is that there's concepts here that we could apply that could help us. Is that okay? Everyone with me there? Okay. So the friendship formula is this. It equals proximity times frequency plus duration times intensity. Now, those of you that, that uh, maybe flunked algebra or not that great in algebra, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, okay? Uh, your head is exploding. What, what did you just say, right? 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna break I'm gonna break that out and I'm gonna talk about it and I'm gonna show you how we can apply this to our lives and it'll help our relationships. But more importantly, maybe perhaps it could help us with a, with a certain intentionality in engaging the Holy Spirit. All right. So number one is proximity. So proximity is the distance between you and another individual and your exposure to that individual over time. So proximity serves as an essential element in all personal relationships. Without proximity, there is no relationships. Okay, so that's the first thing is proximity, all right? So you need to be near someone, you need to be close to someone before a relationship will ever, ever happen, okay? Uh, I I won't go too deep into that because I think you guys got that on Sunday. So the next thing is uh, frequency plus duration, Frequency plus duration. So frequency is the number of contacts you have with another individual over time. So how many times am I connecting with that person? Whether it's text message, maybe it's a, 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 it's a live phone call. Uh, that's a thing now that, it's, you know, that you actually pick up the phone when someone calls. A live phone call or maybe it's coffee with a friend or whatever it is, right? Frequency is how many times you're connecting with that individual. Duration is the length of time you spend with another individual over time. Now, duration has a unique quality in that the more time you spend with a person, listen to this, the more time you spend with a person, the more influence that person has over your thoughts and actions. Are you guys able, are you guys starting to connect the dots now? Yes. So the more frequent, the more frequent, so, so the more close we are in proximity to the Holy Spirit, and the more frequent, more frequent we are engaging the Holy Spirit and how long we're spending with the Holy Spirit now begins to impact the way that we think and the way that we act. That is a good word. The last thing is this, is intensity. And uh, intensity, I, I, maybe we could call that passion, um, but, but what I'd like to say is that intensity is kind of intentionality. It's how, how deep are we engaging the relationship, right? And so we could have proximity, we could have frequency, we could be hanging out, but maybe you're not going real deep. Now, how many of you um, have, we'll call them their acquaintances, but someone that, that you would call a friend, right? So yeah, workmates and things like that, even people in this church, unfortunately. But we come together frequently, we come and we sit here, right? So we're close together. We sit in this room frequently for a certain duration of time. But how deep are we going with each other? How much do you know your brothers and sisters? And again, it's a big crowd. I'm not, I'm not shaming anyone. I wish I knew more of you on a deeper level than I do. But, but think about this in your relationships. How intense are your relationships? Right, so intensity is how strongly you can satisfy another person's psychological or physical needs using verbal and nonverbal behaviors. All right, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna unpackage this a little bit more, but the friendship formula is proximity times frequency plus duration times intensity. And so I encourage you to try this out. Try it with the Holy Spirit. I, I was, uh, today I went on, I went on two walks and I told my wife, I'm going on a walk. And she looked at me weird. I said, I'm going on a walk. 
And I felt like this. I felt like I could, I could stay in, in, my, in my office and I could, uh, I, 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 could, I could pray and things like that. But I felt like there was such a distraction and such a, uh, uh, I, I don't know, just like a, like just a familiar kind of setting. And I said, I want to get outside. And as I went outside, I was walking and I, I, I was intentionally trying to walk with the Holy Spirit. I think the Holy Spirit was there. And I was just, I, I was just in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And it was a great thing. And so I want to encourage you to try this and be intentional about it. Now, 2 Corinthians 3.14, this is Paul the Apostle, and he's talking, his, it's a letter to the, to the Corinthians, and he ends his letter by this. He says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship or communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And so that word, Oh, you guys put it up there. Thank you. You guys copied and pasted. So that word, I, I, I pulled out fellowship and, and used the, the Greek word, which is koinonia. And some of us have, may have heard that, but uh, that's, the original, that's, that's the original language. And so if you took that and you defined that, you could define it in, in a lot of different ways. I'm going to talk about three ways specifically. So the first way is fellowship. Say fellowship. Okay, so fellowship is not... Okay, no, I'm sorry, let me, let me backtrack. Fellowship can be eating, okay? It can be. We do that well. But fellowship without deep connection, I'm sorry, eating without deep connection cannot be fellowship. Does that make sense? Okay, all right. So when we say, oh, we're having fellowship, okay, let's not mistake, let's not mistaken us sitting down watching a Lakers game which is okay, but let's not mistaken, let's not mistaken sitting down watching the game, uh, eating hot dogs or whatever it is that, that we eat as fellowship. Cool? Okay. So fellowship in, in, in a proper form, in a proper context, is companionship and mutual sharing with one another. Now, uh, I, I, I found something that was really, really cool. I drive a lot for work. I drive from, from uh, long distances, hours at, at a time for work. And so I usually listen to audible books. I usually listen to what, what, whatever the latest flavor is. But I started doing something different. And I would encourage you, if you drive at all or, or you have any time, uh, extended amount of time, I'd encourage you to do this. So I started listening to the Bible. And I actually listened to, to uh, the book of Acts. And one day I listened to it three times. It was amazing. And it, as, I, as, I, as I read through that, and I, I see this in regards to companionship and mutual sharing, I see that the Holy Spirit is active as a companion with the apostles and the disciples. It's like they're buddy. It's like they're, 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 they're road dogs. They're doing things together. And so in Acts 20.22, 20, this is Paul speaking. He says, and now compelled by the Spirit... I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. Real quick, I'm compelled by the Spirit. That means that he's being pulled, he's being uh, urged by the Spirit of God. 23, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me. 
The Holy Spirit warns me. The Holy Spirit is speaking to Paul and giving him insight as to what's coming on, warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. In another, in, 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 in another story that we're aware of, it's, it's Philip, the evangelist Philip. In Acts 8.29, it says that the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. And so here again, the Spirit of God is speaking to a person and giving them direction. Now, how many of us could use some direction in our lives? The Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. The Holy Spirit wants to warn us. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is compelling us to do something. Now, these are great examples of men that shared in fellowship, real fellowship, with the Holy Spirit and they were able to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit, and they were quick to respond. They are, they are heroes of the faith in the Bible. And so my challenge to you is that we would learn to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit, and that we'd be quick to respond. This is fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Everyone with me? All right. The next thing is partnership. The next thing is partnership. And so partnership means that we're working together as a team or we're closely associated with each other. So when I say a name, you tell me the next name that, that comes to your mind. When I say Kobe or Shaq, Kobe or Shaq, you guys with me? We'll try it again, okay? When, we, when I say Michael Jordan, Pippen, okay, all right, okay, all right, so we got it. So these are teams, these are associations. Closely associated with each other, right? I'm sorry, that, maybe I should have, should have prefaced that a little bit better. I apologize. So 1 Corinthians 3.9 says this, For we are God's fellow workers. For we are God's fellow workers. Turn to someone and say, you're God's fellow worker. God has enlisted you. God, God has enlisted you to be a fellow worker, and we are God's field, and you are God's building. Acts 15, 28 says, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. How are the, how are the apostles talking like this? How are they saying that this seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit? It's that they're in communication. They're, in, they're having dialogue. They are working together jointly and doing the will of God on the earth. This is, this is the relationship that God desires for us to have with the Holy Spirit. And so those are two, those are two stories of the New Testament. Now, this partnership is not new to the New Testament. This partnership has, has been... Uh, for ages. And so if you go back to the Old Testament, it happened with Abraham. And so if you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, God comes to him and says, well, I'm going I'm to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham, there's the whole dialogue. If, if there's any righteous, would you spare it, right? And, and God, God, like, talks to him and starts negotiating with him. It's crazy. Another, in another story with Moses, God is infuriated with the children of Israel. And two separate times, God says, I'm going to kill everybody. 
And what does Moses say? Moses reminds him of the promises that he gave him. And two times, God changes his mind. Now, I'm not going to go there and, and, you know, we're going to start talking about sovereignty and providence and all this other stuff. I'm not going there. Because God can do whatever he wants to do. But two times, two times, there was a man, there was a companion. There was one that was closely associated with God, that God conferred with, and God changed his mind. I'm saying that to say this, that you could move the hand of God. You can move the hand of God. Some of you guys are getting it. That's right. And so the last thing, we're talking about koinonia, right? The last thing is intimacy. Say intimacy. This is, this is where I'm going to kind of park it right here, is on intimacy. And so intimacy is thoughts and secrets of the heart. James 4, 5 says, Or do you think that the scripture says, In vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. Do you think the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us, the Holy Spirit, yearns, is intensely and consistently vying for our attention. Yearns jealously. This is what that means. We are busy. We're busy people. Busy doing something. We're all important. Me too. We're all important. And the Holy Spirit is there, just waiting to be acknowledged, waiting to be engaged. And the Holy Spirit yearns for your attention, jealously. The Holy Spirit is jealous that he can't get a moment with you. And so intimacy is what we call the experience of really knowing and being known by another person. We often use spatial language when describing this. And so we're talking about, uh, you know, I feel close, I feel distant, all, all these different feelings. Um, and, and an intimate friend is someone we feel very close to. They know us at a deep level. If something happens that damages the intimacy with our friend, they feel distant from us. Or a person who doesn't know us intimately knows us at a superficial level. We're talking about intimacy. So intimacy is not necessarily spatial only, but it is 100% relational. So I could be close to someone. We could be close to people, but we, we're not necessarily intimate with that person. Okay? Now you could be close to someone and be intimate to that person, yes. But intimacy is 100% relational. At what level are you connecting with an individual? And so we all know this, and, and the husbands in the house say amen. We all know this, that we could be very close to someone, but have a very wide gap between us. Amen. You guys didn't get that. And so we could be sitting right next to someone and feel very, very distant. Or there could be someone very, very far away that has our heart that we feel very, very close to. And so it's not necessarily spatial. But it is 100% relational. So what makes us feel intimate with another person? Don't answer that. There's a lot of things that makes us feel intimate with another person, right? But one of the things that are, that are primary, one of the things that are consistent is that there's trust. Without trust, there is no intimacy. Okay. 
You guys, yeah, you guys are starting to follow me now. So we can't be intimate with someone that we don't trust. We cannot be intimate with someone that we don't trust. A, a lot of us have a lot of things in our lives that, that doesn't allow us to connect with people because of trauma and past hurts and things like that. And we can't be intimate with people that we don't trust. And so trust is at the heart of intimacy. And the more we trust someone, the closer we let them get to us. The level in which trust is compromised in our relationships is the level in which intimacy dissolves. So this is true in our relationships with God, just as much as it's true with our relationships with, with people. And so our experience of God's nearness or distance is not a description of his actual proximity, but of our experience of intimacy with him. And so sometimes we could say, I feel like God is distant from me. I don't feel like God is close to me. Well, what's been your experience with him? What's been your intimacy? What, at what level are you trusting God for your situations? So scripture shows us that God is intimate with those who trust him. The more we trust God, the more intimately we can come to know him. And so distance from God is often due, due to two things. Two things. Number one is disappointment. And the second thing is distrust. Disappointment or distrust. And so as Christians, we want to experience intimacy with God. And we want to say, uh, for me, it is good to be near God. And we should be always mindful of the promise that James gives, gives us in James 4. Pastor Omar shared this, this scripture. But it says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. So we have to draw near to God. And as we do that intention, with intentionality, God will draw near to us. So, quick question. Can we, uh, can, we, can we try to find nearness or proximity in ways that don't produce intimacy? Can we, can we try to do this and try to do all the right things, but it not produce intimacy? Yes. Many of us could come to church uh, time after time after time after time, and you're still not close to God. You're st you still don't feel the power of God in, in your life. And so, yes, we can. And so, listen, intimacy is more than head knowledge. Intimacy is more than head knowledge. So you can pursue knowledge. You can pursue. And I'm, go, to, go to PCBI, okay? Get some education, all right? You have to know God at a certain level. Yes. You have to know God at a certain level so that you could trust him. But if we pursue God in knowledge alone, we'll miss him. So Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You have to know the truth. So you have to read. You have to get educated. Okay? But he also pointed out to the Samaritan woman that many worship what they do not know. And so oftentimes, we, there, could be, there could be times where you're here and you're worshiping God and you feel good but you're not claiming the promises of God. You've not embraced God. You've not embraced the Holy Spirit. You're not living a vibrant life that's reflecting and manifesting the power of God in your life. And so never, never, never in the history of time have we been, uh, have we had such great access to education, whether it's PCBI or 
uh, YouTube or whatever. Never, never, ever in the history of mankind have we had the type of information that we have at, the, at our fingertips. So why is it that we still don't see Enoch's and Elijah's being taken up into heaven? Because it's not by knowledge alone. John 5, uh, 39 through 40 says, you search, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is, uh, it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. And so you search the scriptures because you think in that alone, by itself, the knowledge will give you life, but you refuse the very person of God. And so speaking of God's perfect statutes and, and, and laws and, and uh, in Psalms, it talks about, uh, David just talks about highly, puts the, puts the word of God highly as, as authority. And, and we do the same thing here. And so Psalms 19.10 says, they are more precious than gold. The words, the, the truth of God, they're more precious than gold. But 1 Corinthians 8.1, Paul reminds us that knowledge puffs up. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And so if you're full of knowledge, but you're not loving anyone and edifying anyone, you're empty. And so biblical knowledge is better than gold when it fuels our trust in God. Otherwise, it only fuels our pride. Are there other ways that we could try to be in proximity with God and it fail to produce intimacy? Yes, there is. Experiences. Often the mistake is us trying to achieve intimacy through subjective experiences. It's sort of like the field of dreams. Anybody ever seen that movie? If you build it, they will come. And so sometimes we could say if we have the right environment, if we have the right, we do lights, okay? We do lights. We, we dim the lights. We do this here, okay? But we're not relying on that alone for us to gain intimacy with the Holy Spirit. But... Oftentimes, people think that if they could just get the right flow, right? So how many of us, and I'm not, I'm not discounting, I'm not telling you don't do this if you're doing this. Do whatever gets you close to God, okay? But how many times are we at our, in our house or, or whatever and we have to put on the right music and we have to, you know, dim the lights and we have to get everything perfectly right in order for us to, to be able to, you know, conjure up this, this moment. And so if it's in those experiences alone, we'll miss God. And some, some, so some people pursue uh, ritualistic and ceremonious kind of weird things, mysticism, and, and hopes that they could conjure up an intimacy with God, but they miss it. Other people pursue contemporary worship concerts. And again, I'm not discounting that. If you go to Bethel Live or, or you know, whatever it is, uh, go to that. That's great. But in that alone... In that alone, if you're relying on that, that's not going to garner the intimacy in which God desires for you as an individual. Others chase revivals. Other people just, whatever the, 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 the next thing is, listen to this. Proximity to God's power Okay, I'm sorry. Proximity to God's power does not necessarily create proximity to God. Yeah. 
understand what I'm saying. If you're pursuing, if you're going here because you want that or, or whatever it is, and you're not pursuing God as an individual, proximity to someone else's anointing that you're not pursuing for yourself, you're not spending the time with the Holy Spirit to cultivate it, is not going to garner you that person's anointing. I'm, I'm sorry. I think I just crushed some, some dreams in this place. And so how do we draw near to God? We draw near to God in two things. Number one is having faith. Having faith in God and having trust in God. Having faith in God and having trust in God. I'm going to kind of close it here. I, I'm, I'm running out of time. But this, this is what, this, this is what I, the thought I want to share, you in clo- share with you in closing is this. There's a term in psychology called cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance. Okay? And when I'm talking about trust and faith, cognitive dissonance starts playing in our minds. I'll explain what that means. Cognitive dissonance means that you have conflicting thoughts about a certain situation. And so I could sit here and tell you that the promises of God are yes and amen. And you're going to say amen. But you can't believe it for a situation that's in your life right now. And so... And so you're coming and you want people to pray with you. You're looking for counseling. You're looking for all these different things. There is a cognitive dissonance that's disconnecting the truth of God in your life and conflicting with your own thoughts about the situation. Trust and faith are the two things that get you near to God. And so listen to this. God is not impressed with our deeds, what we do for him. God is purely impressed by our faith. God is purely impressed by our faith. And so God invites us all into this intimacy. This is what I want, to, want us to do. If you would just close the lights and we're gonna, I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up and, and this, is, this is what I want us to do. I want us to intentionally, I want us to intentionally put focus on the Holy Spirit. This is what I believe. I talk to a, I, I talk to a lot of people. I counsel a lot of people. Um, I, I, I love I love the people in this church. I love to see what God is doing in their lives. But oftentimes I see people that are rendered powerless over situations because they've not tapped into the person of the Holy Spirit. They've not worked towards intimacy with the Holy Spirit. And I believe, I believe this. I I, I believe not not only is it a promise in the Bible, but I believe in our conversations with our pastor, with the direction in which we're going, where we're, we're giving uh, we're giving priority to prayer. We're, we're, we're contending for prayer every single morning for two hours. We're open up the church. We value prayer. The reason why we're doing that is because we're trying to cultivate a culture that is walking in its presence led. We want to be carriers of the glory. We want to see the power of God manifesting in our lives. We want people to live and experience a vibrant life full of the power and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. That's what we desire. That is our prayer. And so tonight, I want us to, I, I want us to be, just begin to pray right now. I just want us to, to just focus our minds on God. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.